Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello, welcome to the History Hit World Wars podcast, a podcast dedicated to that turbulent period in history between 1914 and 1945. In this podcast, first recorded for Dan Snow's History Hit, Dan joins veterans and dignitaries for the 75th anniversary of the Battle of Arnhem. He takes to the skies and follows in the footsteps of the brave troops who parachuted out over the Dutch town of Arnhem during the Second World War. And this was in their bold strategy, but of course ultimately failed attempt, to outflank the Germans and establish a vital bridgehead across the Rhine River. Dan conducts interviews with troops that fought in this battle. He gets to find out about the intelligence failures, the fact that the mission was doomed from the start, and the intense hand-to-hand fighting as these troops battled to hold the bridgehead whilst outnumbered 10 to 1. Uh, Master Sergeant Huben. I'm on the German Airborne uh, uh, Regiment. And today you are in charge of making sure that I land safely on the ground. What's it, what is the plan for today? Where are we going? Yeah, we are going to a landing zone from the uh, American uh, Airborne Division in the World War II. And it's on the, on the border to, uh, near, to Dutch and uh, Germany. And the landing area is uh, not so big but enough for, for us to jump there. 75 years ago, the British and the Germans were on different sides. Today, I'm going to be attached to you as we jump. Yeah, uh, me too. We, uh, couldn't be, we couldn't be closer. Yes, of course. <laughs> Look after me up there. Yeah, thank you very much. I'm now standing in a giant hangar in the Royal Dutch Air Force Base in Eindhoven. This itself was one of the targets of Market Garden 75 years ago. It's further south of Arnhem, further south of Nijmegen. It was secured relatively quickly uh, during the, in the start of the operation. But I'm now in the great big hangar and there are paratroopers marching beside me. There are Americans, there are Poles, there are Dutch, and there are some Brits as well. I've been saying hello to you, saying the, uh, the claret of the British, uh, British uh, paras. Good to see. Um, and I am also, uh, oh, there's the Poles. Good on them. There are about I don't know, a thousand young men and women in this giant hangar. And some of them are now going out. They're marching past me and they're going to assemble on. They're assembling next to the aircraft. They're going to drop us all on the drop zones just outside Nijmegen in an echo 
an echo of the giant airborne drop that was carried out 75 years ago. This is, I'm going to be jumping, I'm going to be doing a tandem jump, um, and uh, I'll let you know how it goes. I'm joined now by Achman Markouche, who is the mayor of Arnhem. You're the most important man in this building. You're wearing the claret and blue of the Arnhem football team, which is also the airborne colours. Um, your city, it's a, it's a, the eyes of the world are on your city this weekend. Yes, uh, Arnhem is very known of the battle uh, of, of Arnhem. And uh, it is not only this weekend, it is um, all the month. Uh, September is, um, is the month of remembering um, the, the battle of Arnhem and, and the airborne. Um. Why is it, people always ask me, why are the people of Arnhem so interested in commemoration uh, and in... And in marking this anniversary when actually it was a terrible it was a terrible event in Arnhem's history you know the, the impact of the battle is very big because uh, all Arnhem was evacu uh, evacuated and uh, the city was destroyed but the Arnhemers uh, the people uh, are very thankful uh, to the English um, uh, soldiers because they came to to help them and to uh, to give them freedom even when they lose this uh, this bridge now, you and I are about to jump out of this aircraft. Are you nervous? Of course, a little, a little. But we are surrounded by the finest of the Dutch army. They're going to keep us, I'm sure they'll keep us safe. I hope so. I hope so. Enjoy the jump. You too. Thank you very much. Here's Dennis Collier, who served with the Parachute Battalion. Well, it was tough. We were outnumbered 10 to 1 to start off with. And it was really tough. It was nearly all hands and fighting there. And it was really bad. There was one incident I'd rather not talk about. <laughs> but, uh, well, it was, well, well, I might as well tell you. It, it the last fourth day, I think it was, we were walking through the woods at Oosterbeck, and two of us, another lad who had the infantry, and uh, we came across two old soldiers, I suppose the only old soldiers and young Italy youth there, but they weren't, they were all of these battalions recuperating there, all of, Fourth day, we were walking through the, the woods in Oosterbeck and uh, come across these two old soldiers and must have been, we were getting on for six and they must have been, because that's what they were supposed to be there. And uh, they got two Rafa, and the mate were with me. I didn't know him, only as Eric. And uh, he'd got uh, a rifle, he'd got a rifle, and they'd only got one bullet. I'd got a rifle, no bullets. And these two soldiers come up to us, and of course they fired, they pulled the rifles up at us, and my mate fired, shot one on them, and the other one come towards me, and I'd got nothing only fighting off, and I just draw that out, and as he come, I knocked his rifle on side and knifed him. And I've regretted it ever since, because when we picked the rifles up, they'd got no bloody bullets in their rifles at all. So I, I, I'm quite honest, I still say it was murder, really, because they were unarmed, and I still say it was murder. It's never got out of my mind. If I ever see anybody on telly or a kid, somebody being knifed, that's the first thing that's come to my mind. I've never forgotten it. In fact, many a night I wake up dreaming about it. Because to me, it was murder. And I've never forgotten it. That was Dennis Collier. I got a chance to talk to the British ambassador as he was suiting up, Peter Wilson. Now, in the, in, we're lining up here in the queue to get on this aircraft. I've met the British ambassador. Good to see you, sir. Nice to see you, Dem. Um, what, uh, what is the importance of this commemoration? 
Well, this is 75 years um, since the Battle of Arnhem, and the way that people choose to remember it in this country is not as a, a, an operation that didn't work, but as an operation where people displayed extraordinary heroism, um, not just the amazing people who came to the aid of the Netherlands, but also all of the local people who helped um, and who really did think that this would be a way to end the war early. Now, you are uh, in charge of um, Anglo-Dutch relations at the moment. Is this one of the more remarkable activities you'll be taking part in? You're strapped up, you've got a GoPro strapped to your wrist, you're going to jump out of an aircraft. Is this an everyday thing for you? I do get to do some pretty exciting things, but I think this one definitely tops the list. Does, does, our, does our shared history, and this is of course going right back, perhaps, well, all the way back, we are, uh, whether you're talking about uh, the tribes that settled the British Isles a long time ago, or Elizabeth Tudor's help for the Dutch rebels, is our shared history something that crops up and, and, and is a useful tool for you in your everyday work? All the time, Dan. Um, this is something that the Dutch really do remember. Um, they remember many, many stories about when we were on the same side. Occasionally, we were on the different sides. They know us well, um, and that matters. And it matters at a time when our relationship with the European Union is changing to remember the things that bind us very strongly. Um, it matters to both of us. One thing I'd like to do while you're here in uh, the Netherlands is get the stern of our flagship back they stole in 1667. It's in the Rijksmuseum and it's an affront to every true-born Briton. So good luck with that. Yes, indeed. Um, I've been to see it. Um, I had lots of gloating about it. But you're right, Dan. There's definitely an opportunity there. Enjoy the jump. Thank you. Next, you're going to hear from Ron Johnson, who was a glider pilot at Arnhem. But on the Wednesday morning, then things began to happen and, and heat up. And I was by, standing near the, the end section, end trench of my section, when suddenly a half-track vehicle came right up close, and he was so close that standing up was the commander of this half-track vehicle. And without thinking too much about it, I got my revolver and, and, and fired at the man. And rather incredibly, I, I shot him and killed him. And so that... There were the other two that were in that half track. They'd either got to go go on blind and drive their half track away, or they they got to try to escape. Well, they decided to try to escape, and they were also shot down. Those two. Now, it was important that they were shot because it was a reconnaissance half track, and if they'd have got away, they could have given our position. So, you you may think, well, let's crawl. Well, men are trying to escape, shooting them, but in battle. And that's important for youngsters to learn. You don't have any choice. Battle, being at war, is a horrible, horrible thing. And I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. We must do everything we can to see that we don't go into war because it's not very nice shooting somebody. That was Ron Johnson, a glider pilot. And here's the US ambassador to the Netherlands, Peter Hoekstra. I'll be jump jumping tandem with uh, a Dutch paratrooper. So, And it is a shared heritage. It's wonderful. And, I, and I, you've got the American veteran, 98 years old, we've just seen going past Tom Rice to a hero's welcome. Uh, he's, that's remarkable. Imagine being that age and jumping. You, you must know him. I have. I met him at the embassy uh, about a week ago. And I've been down uh, through, you know, through Limburg, Brabant, uh, through Gelderland for the last week. He's everywhere. Uh, they have a, a jam-packed schedule for him and a, a bunch of American and, you know, British vets. Uh, they're all obviously 95 or older, but they're at all these events and they're getting a huge warm welcome from the Dutch. How important is our shared history when you're trying to build relations between the US and the Netherlands today? How important is that sense of shared history? Uh, it's very important. 
uh, you know, it forms a, uh, a foundation between the countries that say, you know, it wasn't uh, for us and the Dutch, it wasn't just uh, the last 75 years, but, you know, it goes back to the discovery and, you know, of New York, New Amsterdam. I think they had a bad deal. I don't know. They, they sold it to somebody. And uh, the, uh, I think the other people got the better end of the deal. But, uh, you know, it shows that we've got a shared history. But most importantly, we now stand with the Brits, with the Dutch, the Americans, and we promote the, the same values globally. Ambassador, thank you very much. Good luck with the jump. I, I, I hope I don't need any luck, but uh, we're gonna, I think it's going to be a great jump. It'll be a great day. Thank you. Thank you very much, sir. Yeah. Next up is Colonel John Waddy, who was with the Parachute Regiment. So you felt when you hit the ground, you knew the plan, you, the, the organization was good. So it was, you felt the whole thing had been well prepared. Yes, we, we were very well trained division. It was going like clockwork. And then uh, did you head for the bridge? Not a, no, uh, the 4th Parachute Brigade was heading for north of Arnhem, which is one of the big mistakes of so many mistakes on that operation plan made by our divisional commander was, was, was wrong. He knew about the German armour north of Arnhem, but he made no plan to cut it off. Our aim at Arnhem was all devoted to get, getting to the bridge. No one part of the division should have landed north of Arnhem to block the roads leading into Arnhem to stop the German panzers coming in. And the remnants of those panzer divisions had been trained in Russia and Normandy in anti-airborne operations. So as soon as the first troops landed, they formed themselves into these special companies they had, and they were on the move. And by the time you landed, had things bogged down a bit? I mean, did you have the, did you have the ability to move to where you were supposed to be? No, because the Germans moved very quickly. I remember a story afterwards of our Brigadier Shan Hackett a very astute little man. He, in, in the briefing, two or three days before Arnhem, the orders were given out, and then he dismissed everybody except the commanding officers. And he said, right, what you have heard will not happen. Our hardest fighting is going to be getting into Arnhem, because he was an experienced soldier. And he, he knew one of the things about the German army, if they, a vital area is threatened, they will move swiftly to defend it, which of course they did. So you now, you'd landed and you faced a fight to get into Arnhem. Yeah. And how, and how did, uh, tell me about the course of that battle. Well, foolishly, we, we landed seven miles away from the, our bloody objective. I mean, it was ridiculous. I mean, one of the lessons learnt, well, at least one, one hopes it's been learnt for the future. You know, you must land as close as possible to your objective. And we were there seven miles away. As Shan Hackett, when he briefed, when he gave his briefing back in England, or his brigade major did the general brief, and he said, all right, uh, commanding officers stay behind. I want the rest of you to fall out. And he said, all right, now what you've heard is not going to happen. Our hardest fighting is going to be getting into Arnhem. And, and how hard was that fight? Bloody hard. His brigade was wiped out. You were, were you in that brigade? Yeah. And Shan Hackett, as brigadier, finished up and about after two days fighting in the woods with a rifle and burned it as a brigadier. How were those two days for you? What was your experience of them? We, uh, 
our job, having that in the second day, was to get to the north of Barnum. And by that time, Germans were, were well established. They had trained in Russia and Normandy in anti-airborne operations, this particular Panzer Division. So as soon as the first troops landed, they formed themselves into these quick reaction companies and they moved on. So you were fighting German tanks armed with rifles and grenades? Yes. Well, we did have some six-pounder, but uh, you know, they're very difficult things to manoeuvre up in the front line when you were uh, advancing. It's all right in, 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 in defence. Did your company su- survive? How did it fare? They were disintegrated. We landed on the second day, and, of course, the Germans... The, the, I mean, uh, their generalship is good. They, they realised that uh, we were heading for the bridge. I mean, we were landed eight miles away from Bloody Bridge, and the Germans quite quickly put in their, their, their stopping lines, they called them, with tanks and armoured cars, etc. And we had nothing against it. That was Colonel John Waddy. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. So I'm, uh, I've just climbed into the aeroplane now. We're sitting in along, uh, sitting along either side of the fuselage, facing each other uh, in two long lines. The ramp at the back is still open, and we are about to uh, close up and get underway. 75 years ago this week, there was a massive airborne operation known as Market Garden. Market was the airborne assault to seize key bridges, laying a kind of, people describe it as a carpet, like a ribbon of airborne troops through the Dutch countryside. And then Garden was a huge armoured ground offensive, which would link up, sort of drive over those powers, if you like, drive along that carpet, that ribbon, and seize all the bridges and hold them create a salient and as a launch pad for an offensive into northern Germany, the back door into Germany. The entire um, theatre of operations covered about 60 miles north from Belgium, right up into the Netherlands. And this is a very, very wet part of the world. The massive Rhine River system is nearing the sea. Many, many branches of the Rhine 
uh, head north and west into the sea. They had to cross so many bridges. They had to cross two arms of the Rhine, which is known as the Lower Rhine, the Vire. They had to seize bridges across the Meuse River uh, and then several canals and small uh, tributaries. To the north, the British 1st Airborne Division were given the job to secure uh, the most northerly bridge over the Lower Rhine at Arnhem. South of them at Nijmegen, the 82nd Airborne Division would jump and then below them, south of them, the 101st would go. This was a gigantic airborne operation. And now, 75 years later, I'm jumping out of a plane. Let's see what it was like. At least on this occasion, there are friendly forces firmly in command of the landing zone. And here's Victor Gregg, a machine gunner who served in well, so many different theatres of the Second World War, and he was serving with the Parachute Regiment. Well, the last few days, of course, we never had any grub. We'd run out of everything. There was water to be had in some of the cottages and houses, but if you wasn't near a house, you had no water, you drunk it out of the puddles. It was a bit naughty. And uh, we all realised that, uh, you know, that we wasn't going to get relieved now. And that was it. So then we heard that it came through because I was right on the perimeter. I was one of the few um, vicars what were left. And now we run out of ammo. Got no more ammo left at all. So we had this young officer who I'd never seen before. He said, I'm going to go back and see if I can find some ammunition. So, okay, wherever he And then he came back after about 20 minutes. He said, there's nobody there. He said, they've all gone. Out of the house, it's all empty, they've all gone. And he thinks that the Germans are in the hotel. And the hotel's about 150 yards away from us, 200 yards. And we're further to the, further to the east. So, well, well what we're gonna do there? Well, take the bolts, take the bolt out of the gun and uh, dismantle it and sling it all over the place and we'll try and make our way, try and make our way out somehow if we can. Did you feel you'd been no, abandoned? No, no, I, I, I'm a, I was a regular soldier. I knew jolly well that uh, if you're on the perimeter, you're there to enable the other blokes to get away. I know, no, no, I admit. I might, I might have only been about 25, but I was educated in that sense. I knew exactly what was happening. But at the same time, I also knew, having a, having a Vickers machine gun, you're not gonna go charging, they're not gonna send you charging over to capture some point, because you can't do it, carrying 50 pounds with a Vickers machine gun with another 10 feet of belt dangling. You just can't run. So now your job is to stop there, Keep that gun on its tripod, and if anything comes near, let them have it. See? But there you are, we run out of ammo completely. There was nothing there, the lads had none left in their rifles. So, right, what we're going to do, we're trying to get to Amsterdam. Which direction is that? Oh, that's north. Okay, we go north. Which is north? Well, it ain't near the river, and it ain't that way, so it's got to be that way. So, in ones and twos, we disappear. Again. And they found us, two days later they found us, absolutely starving, lying in a ditch. So come Tommy, come, Krieg is 30, come. So that was it, we were captured and uh, stuck on a train. And to go to this, uh, go to this transit camp. That was Victor Gregg. Well we're circling now above Nijmegen. We've just been given the 10 minute call about to jump out the back of this aircraft with a multinational coalition of jumpers on this 75th anniversary of Market Garden. God save the Queen. Well, I've just 
I've just landed and there are still, I've come to a, I've walked out of the field where I landed, I've come and I'm now watching subsequent sticks of paratroopers, airborne troops from NATO allied countries, Poland, Germany, Britain, the US, Holland, Belgium, Italy. I'm watching them come down now. And I gotta say it was one of the most wonderful experiences of my life when the, when the tail of the transport aircraft opened, it was like this, it, it was like a sort of hypnotic, hypnotic moor. I, I couldn't believe that we were about to throw ourselves out the back of this aircraft through puffy clouds. You could see the, the great curve of the Rhine. You could see the cities of Nijmegen and, and Arnhem down there. You could see the great forest over the border with Germany. And we edged our way, we, we were second out, and we were standing there in line all the way down the centre of the fuselage. Uh, all of these super cool, super tough airborne troops, uh, frankly, unnecessarily good looking Italian guy, for example. Everyone's fist bumping, they're doing their little secret handshakes that airborne guys obviously had, and I had to learn very fast. And then we're waiting for the red light. The Polish guy at the gate shouting at us, telling us the countdown. Then the red light went to green. First three guys jumped out and immediately sucked away, became tiny little dots in seconds. Then we were standing on the edge of the ramp, I was holding on to nothing. I was just strapped to my giant German friend. He made me take the weight off my legs. So I'm just hanging entirely from his harness. And then he threw himself out and we went into free fall for about a minute, coming down, down, down uh, at extraordinary speed. And then he pulled the chute and there was a sudden jerk. My legs went all floppy and virtually, I virtually kicked myself in the chin. And then we were floating down and we talked about the surrounding area, whooping and cheering. We got to the ground. We, we landed in the, this sandy earth of this Dutch farmer's field that I don't think his crop's going to be particularly good this year. And next to me landed Tom Rice, the 98-year-old veteran of Market Garden. And I managed to get a chat with him. How's this different to the landing 75 years ago? Oh, well, I made a standing landing 75 years ago in Normandy. And, uh, no, no, in, in uh, Holland I made a standing landing. In Normandy I, I, uh, made a parachute landing fall rolling over my right arm. Yeah. And what were conditions like on the ground here when you landed 75 years ago? Oh, the, the conditions were a lot better. <laughs> it's a nice field. I had all, all this fuel all of my own here for the most part. <laughs> so you landed away from the rest of your stick? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I jumped number one and uh, the, the rest of the stick was, was uh, behind me. So it uh, it took a little while before we got together, but we did though. And you enjoyed this? Is this your last jump, or you got more left in you? Oh, I got more and more. I got more jumps to go do till I'm a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So, well, that was Tom Rice, and after talking to him. I went back and, and gave my German Fallschirmjäger a hug and he told me that his grandfather had been killed fighting for the Wehrmacht, fighting for Hitler's German army in the winter of 1944. So his grandfather died 75 years ago uh, this year as well. And I just felt enormously grateful, enormously happy that the two of us were on the same side. And it made me realize that peace is sometimes too important to be left to politicians. And it has to happen between individuals, between all of us. So it's a very special moment of remembrance in that little field. And it's been just obviously a tiny part of a, a huge season, huge festival of remembrance here in the Netherlands on the 75th anniversary of Market Garden. Thanks for listening to the podcast.
Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. And before you go, remember, as a Warfare listener, you get a special discount at History Hit. Subscribers get access to blissfully, uninterrupted, ad-free podcasts and thousands of hours of history documentaries. You've got everything from the American Revolution to my own documentaries like Traces of War, Weapons of War and 24 Hours in Normandy, where I follow in the footsteps of the Green Howards on D-Day from their beach landings to being awarded the Victoria Cross and all the way through their first day where they made it seven miles inland further than any other British or American unit. So head over to historyhit.com forward slash subscribe or follow the link in the show notes and use the code WARFARE to get 50% off your next three months. That's the code WARFARE to get 50% off. And if you're an Apple listener, you can subscribe for new ad-free episodes within the app. So give it a go. I know you're gonna love it.